You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find out full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 40 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors and updates on Star Wars Episode 7 and the future sequel trilogy and spinoff movies and Rebels and all the other new and exciting stuff coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. Getting excited. we got Comic-Con coming up next week where we should hopefully get some... More, especially Star Wars Rebels news, maybe some new announcements with uh, Marvel Comics stuff. Of course, no Episode 7 news, but still, it should be exciting. But even before next week, we got a lot of news to talk about <laughs> that happens since our last episode, so it should be fun. Yeah, Star Wars news has just been uh, coming in full, full force these past few weeks. Uh, we've got a lot of Episode 7 stuff, a lot of Rebel stuff. Haven't had a whole lot of video game stuff to talk about since uh, E3, but... Um, yeah, lots more episode seven stuff to talk about this week. So let's just jump right into it. Um, and one of the big things that came out since our last episode is that there have been, uh, two new additions to the episode seven cast, or at least two, maybe more, but we're uh, just going to start with these first two. Um, and this was an official announcement that they made on starwars.com on July 6th. And, uh, it's these two new actors, Crystal Clark and Pip Anderson, who've been added to the episode seven cast. And these two were selected out of all the, the people who, uh, submitted auditions for that big open audition casting call that they had, you know, a few months ago. Um, I think maybe that was like towards the end of last year that that was going on, but I mean, I remember we covered it and talked about it and there were like all these different cities that they went to and had people coming in to audition and they had people sending in auditions online. And so, um, of all those submissions, these were the two actors that they picked. And, um, I think they're, both American actors, I believe. I know Crystal Clark is uh, an American actress, but she's currently studying in England. Um, and then uh, Pip Anderson is... Oh, no, he's... Okay, he's a British actor and also um, a guy who does a lot of this parkour stuff where, you know, it's like the running and jumping and acrobatics and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it should be pretty interesting to see what two roles these guys end up with. And, I mean, just the fact that they mentioned that Pip Anderson is a you know skilled practitioner of practi- pra- practitioner of parkour, um, it, you know, kind of, at least to me, would imply that that's going to somehow factor into his role in the movie. So that should be pretty cool to see. Yeah, this is another one of those unexpected announcements that we got. A few weeks ago, it happened on a Sunday too, I believe, which was kind of out of the blue. Like, no news happened on Sundays, but still, it's welcome to any day of the week. Fine, because always news in my book. But yeah, it's good to know we got two official new cast members joining it. And I just thought it was interesting that it was from the big casting call that you talked about. And I don't know. I mean, anyone who's cast in Star Wars got to be excited. But when you're one of the two who beat out almost sixty thousand people, <laughs> that's got to feel really cool. <laughs> I mean, it's just 
knowing that the odds were stacked against you amongst all those people because we've seen pictures and videos of those massive lines and not even to mention the online submission so the fact that they wanted wanted out to got these roles is pretty cool for them so definitely exciting to see and like you said with uh pip anderson being a parkour uh stuntsman he's pretty much probably safe to say we're going to see him do a lot of stunt work in episode seven and i just got the feeling maybe they're not going to be two uh major characters but probably more in the action sense since like you said they made it a point to bring out pip anderson's uh, parkour uh, abilities in the announcement so wonder if it's going to be maybe he'll be like a motion capture character and it'll be a cg alien creature or something like that doing these incredible crazy stunts or maybe it'll just be a human character i don't know but definitely excited to see what it's going to bring to the table but it's another thing i wanted to ask you about this get your opinion on it when this was first announced since this was part of those open casting calls and the script that came out um, that had those two characters where we kind of soon were daisy ridley's and john boyega's characters now there's some uh speculation going on or those two characters meant for these two actors since they were part of that open casting call so i don't know i just get the feeling that those two roles that were in that script sent pretty major and then but at the same time was used for that casting call so i don't know i'm kind of torn between i just get the feeling that crystal clark and pip anderson aren't going to be major roles in episode seven and maybe that's not what they were going to be reading was from that script but I don't know, just kind of got more speculation going on. Well, maybe we assumed a little bit too far in advance about John Boyega and Daisy Ridley being those characters in that uh, open casting script. I don't know if you thought about that at all, but that's one of the stories and the speculation online that crept up after these two were announced. Well, I definitely agree with you in terms of these two being minor roles. I mean, that's my prediction, especially since, I mean, we've been in production on the movie for like almost a month now. Um, or maybe over a month. I can't even remember now. Was it May or June when they started production? It was May. May. Okay, yeah. So it's been you know like a month and a half now at least. Um, actually, close to two months now. But I mean, at this at the time that this announcement came out, it had been about a month and a half into production for the movie. So I would not assume that they're going to you know cast two really big important roles that late in the game. Um, now, some of the characters like uh, Lupita Nyong'o and Gwendolyn Christie, who are cast like a couple weeks into production, um, I'm assuming they're probably going to have pretty sizable roles. But yeah, these guys, I mean, I wouldn't say they're going to be just like background extras. You know, I, I would assume that they'll have, um, you know, speaking parts or at least a significant amount of screen time. But at the same time, um, yeah, I definitely don't think they're going to be like the two lead actors of the film or anything like that. Um, and then as far as the, the script that they sent out for the casting call with these Thomas and Rachel characters and, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't read into that too much because that scene, like that scene that was in the script could be sort of a modified version of something that was taken from the movie. I mean, obviously, you know, in the script, it talks about them like walking down a dirt road and heading for a barn and everything and like, you know, it doesn't seem like something out of Star Wars, but, you know, they could have replaced a barn with a cantina or a rebel base or whatever. I don't know. You know, it could be something that they just, like, modified and took out of the script. But it also could be something that they just completely made up and, you know, had a writer be like, here, just, you know, write up a, a two-page scene for a casting call that we're going to use. So, you know, I... I at this point, I'm not even really all that interested in like speculating about, oh, are they going to be the characters from the casting call? Because we don't even know if those characters are going to be in the movie or not. And if they are, obviously those characters aren't going to be named Thomas and Rachel. So, and when we finally see the movie, it'll be interesting to see like, oh, you know, this kind of looks like that scene that uh, 
you know, was sent out in the casting call if it was in there. But until then, I don't think that's a whole lot to, to go off of. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I would, like I said, I, I would assume that they're going to be kind of minor roles, but yeah, like you said, though, it's got to be really exciting for these guys to be picked out of like, yeah, I think they said over 60,000 people or something like that, that came in on auditioned, And it's like, you know, all these, young unknown actors from all over the world trying to get their big shot. And these two are the ones that they picked to be in star Wars of all things. So that's gotta be pretty awesome. And did you ever send in your, uh, I remember you mentioned doing an online edition. Did you ever send like your profile picture and all that just for the heck of it? No, no, I didn't send that in. I was going to say, I was going to offer you my condolences, Kyle, that you didn't get the part, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is, like I said, it's gotta be the coolest feeling. I mean, <laughs> It took a while, too, because, like I said, it happened late last year, 2013. So they were going through a lot, make, I guess, making sure which ones were the best out of those 60,000. And apparently it's these two actors. So congrats to them, because I just think that's got to be just an even cooler feeling knowing you beat out all those people, even more so than, like, the principal cast, where maybe Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams kind of had them in mind for these particular roles. When with these two actors, they were just picked out out of a bunch of other different people so right, congrats to them yeah and then something else that's interesting in this uh, press release from starwars.com um you know they talk about the the two actors and then uh, kathleen kennedy is talking about how they're excited to you know bring the new and undiscovered uh, young talent into the movie and all that and then they just kind of give a brief update on the production and they say, uh, you know, meanwhile, principal photography continues at Pinewood Studios in London after wrapping on location in Abu Dhabi in May. In August, the team will take a brief two-week hiatus while adjustments to the current production schedule are made as actor Harrison Ford recovers from a leg injury. Harrison is doing well and looking forward to returning to the set soon. Shooting remains on track to wrap in the fall with the film scheduled for release on December 18th, 2015. And uh, this is... You know, great news that, uh, I mean, despite the fact that they're going to have to take a two-week break from shooting to sort of accommodate for that injury, that they are still on track to wrap up this year and that the movie's still going to be done on time next year. Um, Because, I mean, when all the rumors and stuff were coming out after he initially suffered the injury, the one that I was most afraid of, and that kind of seemed like a long shot, but I was still like, man, I really hope this isn't true, is, you know, there was the rumor that he might have to come back to the United States for like six months of rehab. And it definitely seems like that is not going to be the case now. Um, And especially because, you know, we've seen pictures of him um, still in London, like with that leg cast and the brace and everything that we talked about last time. But, um, you know, he's still over there. He's still injured. He's recovering. So he's not like on set shooting right now, but he's not going to have to, take half a year to come back here and get on his feet again. He's, um, you know, doing well and recovering and should be uh, back on the movie pretty soon here. So that's good to hear. Yeah. This is almost like best case scenario, really. Cause on our last previous episodes, we were talking like, Oh, what could be the worst possible instances that might happen because of this being a pushback, the script getting reworked because of his injuries. But this hearing this press release has kind of put everything into perspective and really fully showed things might have gotten out of proportion with the reports of his injury. Because, yeah, they made a point to say he's doing well and that they're just using those two weeks to reshuffle things in the shooting schedule. And the important part, everything is still on track for December 18, 2015. Because, yeah, we've heard, all oh, they really want... J.J. Uh, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy really want it to be pushed back to May 2016. But looks like things are all on schedule and haven't heard many reports about scripts being the script being revised or anything so that's good news and then 
There's also a report that came from uh, from Harrison Ford's trainer, who gave her a I think on the website The Mirror, where he's pretty much said that Harrison Ford's doing great. He's making like a great recovery, and he's like getting in shape. He's like excited to get back, and he said that this was his quote where he really said it really wasn't that bad. <laughs> he's coming back and is going to be better than ever. So things kind of matching up nicely where Lucasfilm saying Harrison Ford's doing well and then his personal trader who's worked with him for years is kind of giving him uh, like a good bill, not a complete good bill of health, but saying he's doing good and on the right pace of getting back on track to filming. So from things have changed uh, dramatically from the initial concerns we had when this injury was first announced. It's definitely starting to look more positive and almost to a point where I'm not really viewing it as an issue anymore. Sure, J.J. Abrams didn't want this to happen, and Lucasfilm probably threw a wrench in their original plans, but looks like things are finally getting set back into place where things should all go back to schedule eventually. Yeah, and you know one thing that's kind of easy to forget while we're getting so you know wrapped up in like all these updates and things that are coming out now i mean people are getting so excited for this movie already and it's kind of easy to forget that it's still a year and a half away from from being released and so there's not really any big imminent rush i mean yeah we talked a lot about last time about oh man are they gonna have to like push the release date back and um you know delay delay the production and reschedule all this kind of stuff and i mean if the movie was still planned like they originally had planned it to be released next summer then i could see like oh maybe they'll have to push back the release date for this but um you know if he just needs like a couple weeks or a couple months or something and not like six months of rehab it's like yeah if they're still going to finish filming production in the fall that should still give them plenty of time to finish up the movie by december of next year so um, yeah, you know, slight delay, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of over the phase of being freaked out about this and, uh, you know, I'm just glad it's, it's back on track and that, uh, things seem like they're going to be uh, well underway here by the end of you know August or whenever they're going to get back to filming. But, um, yeah, definitely good that this hasn't like derailed the whole project and that everything is still on course. Now just everyone else on the cast of episode seven, just be careful and don't get hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, right. They need to like pad all the doors with yeah. <laughs> foam padding now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we do have one other uh, casting related announcement. And this isn't an official announcement from Lucasfilm, but um, this has come from Variety and uh, a lot of other movie sites, as well as Latino Review. But um, this one seems pretty plausible, I think. And that is that uh, British actress uh, Christina Chong has uh, been cast in an unknown kind of minor role in Episode 7. And there are some reports saying that she's already done filming it and that it's just sort of a small part. And she's, um, you know, been in some TV projects. Uh, She's most recently been in the 24 Live Another Day, the most recent season that was just on this summer, which is weird because I watched that entire season and I don't remember seeing her anywhere in there. Um, So I might have to go back and like flip through a couple episodes and see if I can try to spot her. But where I know her from is she was in an episode of Doctor Who. Um, And for any Doctor Who fans out there, you might remember her as uh, Lorna from the episode A Good Man Goes to War in season six. Um, So I saw her picture on here in these reports and all the reports were mentioning like, oh, she was most recently in 24. And I'm like, I don't recognize her from 24, but she looks familiar from Doctor Who. Um, But she's been in a few TV series and some minor film roles and stuff like that, but not really a a big, well-known A-list actor or anything like that. So, um, 
And again, this isn't like an official confirmation thing, but it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't really have any reason to doubt this. Um, you know, she seems like someone who could do well in a small role in Star Wars. I'm already kind of guessing and speculating that she might be a rebel pilot or, you know, whatever sort of equivalent of the the rebellion or new republic or whatever that we're going to have in here i was just kind of thinking i was like what would be a, a small supporting role that they would give to you know not like a really well-known actor but some you know known actor who might have like a couple lines or something and not just be like a total background extra you know something that would be worth mentioning like this on here and kind of the first two things that came to mind for me were like you know, either rebel or imperial pilot or Jedi, and be, just because of some of the rumors that we've heard that there's not really going to be a fully established Jedi order yet at this point because of Luke having trouble with the Jedi hunters and all that. And of course, that's all speculation. I mean, who knows? She could be a Jedi, and there could be like a hundred other Jedi in the movie. But um, you know, just based on that, I'm like, okay, if that's true, and there aren't going to be a whole lot of Jedi, maybe she could be a pilot in a big space battle or something. So I don't know. That was just kind of my initial hunch or something, but um, you know, whatever, there's obviously a lot of room for small parts in star Wars as aliens and officers and whatever. So it should be kind of cool to see, um, you know, what all these parts and characters and actors end up being. And I kind of thinking too, that we might be hearing more of these, um, announcements made, casting announcements made, where it won't necessarily be announced over at StarWars.com as like some big um, update to their website or anything like that with a with a big news announcement. Because, like you said, there's going to be tons of other like extra characters just in the background, maybe have small roles, like you mentioned, as a pilot or rebel soldier or Jedi or Imperial soldier. Well, you'll just see them in the background, but they won't necessarily have big roles. And while we don't might not necessarily get those announcements on official Star Wars website, but it's different like uh, media sites like Variety or Hollywood Reporter. They may get this information and put it online. So uh, we get to that information to know that these actors are in the movie, but not necessarily in big roles. So I don't necessarily think we're going to get an official announcement for Christina Chong on StarWars.com or anything, because like you mentioned, I've heard too that she's pretty much done with her filming. I believe she did film in Abu Dhabi. So... Um, yeah, it's it's cool to find out another uh, actress has been in episode seven. But again, like most of the other actors and <laughs> that have been cast in this movie, I've never seen her or anything else. Like you said, I just saw reports saying that it's from twenty four, but I didn't watch that, so I wasn't too familiar with her. But um, again, we'll just have to wait and see if we even notice her in the movie. <laughs> she just might be in the background in one quick shot. Who knows? Because for the prequels, I mean, of course, they had a lot of actors in that movie, and during those that time when the prequels were being made a lot of internet stuff, especially for episode one, we didn't get news like we're getting now on all these different uh, scoop sites and uh, like Hollywood trade sites that have these casting announcements. So I wonder if back in those days, back like 1998, when that film was going on, we get all the little minor roles of uh, actors being cast in those roles back then, like we're getting now. So we may get a lot of news and announcements about these characters. And maybe there might be concern amongst fans saying, man, these are too many characters are going to be in episode seven. Like, how are they going to pull this off? But in reality, it's probably going to we're going to hear announcements for very minor roles that we probably won't even remember when we're watching the movies or notice it. So, I mean, it's good to know. I'm not complaining that we get any news or announcements for episode seven or any Star Wars movies, but it's probably going to be somewhere we won't get official announcements for every single one. Is what I'm anticipating. Yeah, and I think that's probably uh, pretty accurate. I, I would say, if anything, if we're going to get 
an official announcement on StarWars.com about her or any other you know actors in minor roles, it would probably be sort of all grouped together. Like I'm thinking maybe when they take that two week hiatus to sort of, you know, reshuffle the the filming schedule to accommodate for Harrison Ford coming back, they might release some kind of update saying like, Hey, here's where we're at with the filming. You know, we're almost done and we're coming back to film all of Harrison Ford's parts. And in the meantime, you know, these actors are in it, you know, in case you forgot that we cast Lupita Nyong'o and that John Boyega and Daisy Ridley and all these people. And in addition, um, you know, Christina Chong and John Smith and person X, Y, and Z have come in to film small parts. And so expect to see them in the movie and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I don't think that's going to be like a big headline news thing like, oh, so-and-so is in a minor role, you know, but it could be something where it's just sort of grouped in with some other updates. Um, but I will say I, I thought she was really good in the one Doctor Who episode that she was in. So, um, you know, if she gets like some kind of minor role where she at least gets a few lines or some screen time or something, I'm like, well, I look forward to seeing that because um, she was pretty good from from what I remember in that. But, um, yeah, again, nothing like huge to, to look forward to there. It could be a good indicator, too, where where we know what characters are going to have major and minor roles, where anything announced on StarWars.com it might be safe to assume that they would have a substantial role in episode seven. And then for actors and actresses that get announced through the trade sites, like Variety or Hollywood Reporter, but don't get announced on StarWars.com, then we could probably know, okay, they're not going to have a big part. And maybe this might be an extra in one or two scenes or something like that. Wait, so are you saying that Latino Review was right and we're just going to see Saoirse Ronan and Benedict Cumberbatch and Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio just like sitting in the back of the Moss Eisley Cantina? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> think. Well, I don't know about the most likely cantina. That might be stretching it a little too far, but yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch, Leonardo DiCaprio, they're definitely in it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but because we didn't see it on StarWars.com, they're just going to be minor roles. Exactly. <laughs> like, those three right there are going to make up Luke's new Rogue Squadron. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're going to be flying in their new X-Wings and they'll all get blown up in the space battle. <laughs> <laughs> they called them in just to film like this quick one or two shots amongst blue screen and a cockpit just to get blown up. <laughs> and and they'll call in like Zach Galifianakis to be the new Porkins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can handle it. Hey, heck, if I was offered a small role like that, I'd take it in a heartbeat, no matter how big of an actor I was. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, if I was a big actor, you know, I might be like, you sure I can't come play a Jedi or something? Yeah. But, <laughs> Do a Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'd be like, just carve something on my lightsaber handle, and I want to be the only guy that has a purple one in the whole movie so you can see me. Or it could be what happened to InSync in Episode 2. They film scenes where they're Jedi, and then they get cut altogether because fans had a big outcry. <laughs> oh, was that? Yeah. I, see, I heard about that just recently, and oh, I was really? like, I didn't even know that. Yeah, that was a big old thing, I remember. Like, oh, I was so thankful that they got cut. That just would have taken me out of the whole experience of that arena scene for like a few seconds if I saw them. Like, oh. <laughs> yeah, see, I guess that wouldn't have bugged me too much if they like had good costumes and stuff and sort of blended into the scene um I, I highly doubt it with that <laughs> yeah i mean as long as they were like background cameos and you know it's something that as a fan you can spot out and be like oh hey that guy back there he happens to be an in sync even though he looks like a jedi but you know if it was like a close-up shot of all four of them standing together like posing with their lightsabers and you know 
singing bye 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 to some other Jedi as he gets shot down by battle droids, then yeah, obviously that would take us all out of it. But well, I might not have complained too much if they were in it, but then we see him get crushed by the reek or Jango Fett takes him out. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> but yeah, that was a big old deal. So far, we haven't had to deal with anything like that for Episode Seven and their casting announcement. <laughs> Yeah, well, see, it's funny because, like, back then when I was, you know, 11 or something, I wouldn't have really cared. But now if we were to hear that, like, oh, they're going to give One Direction a cameo in Episode (laughs) 7, I would, like, nerd rage really hard about that. (laughs) There's few things I would ever nerd nerd rage about, but stuff like that, that's, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that would be, like, table flipping mad. Yeah, (laughs) breaking your computer monitor, man. (laughs) Yeah, well, I don't know about that. Maybe the cabinet's on my desk next to my computer. Yeah. <laughs> or just gives an excuse to buy a new and better monitor. <laughs> I don't know. My one's pretty good right now. Well, it just tells you how crappy mine is right now. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. See, I, I'm an Apple fanboy, and I have a, a nice iMac, so I'm like, uh, I don't want to punch that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, um, another big news thing that we had come out over the past couple weeks um kevin smith was doing this on stage q a at uh an international fantastic film festival in switzerland i can't really pronounce the the name of the city or whatever where that was in but it's like neuchatel maybe yeah maybe that's what it is neuchatel international film festival (laughs) anyways kevin smith was doing a panel there he was doing this uh big on stage q a and somebody asked him about star wars and he went off on like this, you know, 10 minute long thing where he's talking about how he actually got to go on set while they were filming episode seven. And I mean, if you haven't seen this video yet, we've got a link to it on our Twitter feed and on our website and you can just watch the whole video. Um, there is some some trademark Kevin Smith profanity in there, but it's definitely worth watching. He is, uh, you know, just you can you can see how much of a Star Wars fan he is and just how much he loves this. But also, I mean, just the way he's talking about the stuff that he saw on set and, um, you know, the the scenes that they're filming. And he says he got to go on the Millennium Falcon. And it it really gave me even more faith and made me even more excited that this movie is going to be awesome. Um, Not that I've been one of the people that's, you know, doubting it the whole time. I'm excited for it anyways, and I think it's going to be great. But, I mean, he was talking about how... Um, he was just watching, you know, J.J. Abrams and these actors and seeing all these scenes being filmed and stuff. And he he seemed pretty convinced, like, that that J.J. has, has captured the magic again. Um, and then, of course, he talked about, like, actually walking onto a physical set of the Millennium Falcon. And he said he just, like, started crying because he felt like a little kid again. Like, he was back in his childhood as this kid who grew up loving Star Wars. And I think he said something like, if the audience... You know, if they if they can capture like ten percent of this feeling that I had being on the set watching them, and you know, if if the audience can experience like ten percent of that, then this is going to be like the highest grossing movie of all time. So that made me pretty excited for it because he didn't seem like a fanboy who's just like you know excited and overreacting and like oh my gosh it's Star Wars guys. I mean, he talked about how when he first went on set, he was kind of like in filmmaker director mode. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Kevin Smith, he's directed um, like Clerks and 
the Jay and Silent Bob movies and a lot of sort of like smaller indie cult hit kind of movies that have been um, pretty successful for those types of movies. Um, but he's also kind of famous for being a big nerd and a Star Wars fan and all that kind of stuff. But he said that like first going on the set, he was sort of in analytical filmmaker mode and sort of looking around at the props and the sets and everything and being like, Oh, this is cool. This is cool. And sort of looking at it through that lens of being like a fellow filmmaker. Um, and then, you know, by the end of it, like he said, you know, once he walked onto the millennium Falcon, that's when he sort of just melted back into like little kid star Wars fan mode. But he was saying, even from that like analytical perspective, he was just looking at it going like, man, this is really good and really well done. And they they've got all these, physical sets and it's not just people jumping around in front of a green screen and he seemed really impressed with it and like i said it was from like an analytical standpoint and not just from a fanboy going like oh my gosh it's star wars and this is so cool so i mean just hearing him talk about that i was like well he sounds like a guy to to listen to and to trust on this like he sounds like he knows what he's talking about and he really believes that this is going to be an awesome movie so that just got me even more excited for it yeah, same here. It's just great hearing him talking about it. I, mean, I love hearing Kevin Smith talk about all this type of stuff and nerdy things like comic books and Star Wars. But you just really got that impression that he was blown away by what he saw. What was cool, too, is that J.J. Abrams showed him a lot. Like they, like he said, he went onto the set of the Falcon. He saw him shoot a scene. I believe he mentioned that they were action sequences, too. But then not only that, J.J. showed him some already, like, sequences that they had filmed already so we got to see like a rough cut of some uh, scenes and action sequences which was cool so and just hearing him gush over it how <laughs> impressed he was which is awesome and because like you said he how it brought the inner child back to him where he said that because um, he's known he says that he likes the prequels and that he's not one of those haters who's like oh george lucas ruined my childhood and all that but he kind of viewed him differently where he, he didn't have that they didn't bring him back to where he was a kid and where he was like so like fell in love with Star Wars. But from what he saw in here, like it brought him back to that moment when he was a child and just got him super excited and almost something like he just fell in love with Star Wars for the first time all over again in a way because it kind of got the feeling where this wasn't his most anticipated movie on like his list that he wanted to see in the future, even though he was excited about it. But he even made a point to say after the set visit, like there's no other movie that I'm looking forward to more now than Star Wars Episode Seven, and yeah, just hearing that just got me all pumped for it, just like it did you. And I mean, how fortunate is Kevin Smith? He's getting like inside sneak peeks of a bunch of cool like geek movies coming out. He got the first look at uh, the Ben Affleck Batman suit before everyone else did. He's gotten some sneak peeks to other stuff for Batman versus Superman, and now he's getting to the set of Star Wars. So like the two biggest movies I'm looking forward to in the next few years, he's gotten sneak peeks of. So it's just really cool, and just to hear his enthusiasm for it is yeah really awesome to hear so anyone who hasn't checked it out yet definitely check it out it will just make you more excited for it and just get me more pumped up as a star wars fan just know what we can possibly be in for some really really special episode seven yeah and you know even just as we're sitting here talking about it because it's been a couple of weeks since i've watched this and as we're talking about it i'm like getting excited all over again like oh yeah man i forgot like how excited i was when i first watched this video and how excited he sounded about it and like oh i want to see this movie already i know um, <laughs> and you know what some, for, some of the sets <laughs> yeah for anyone who watches this like if you still happen to be skeptical at all about how good this movie is going to be there I, I was uh, talking to you about this tim like after we watched this for the first time there are still like a couple advantages that we as fans have over Kevin Smith, because I mean, sure, we would all love to actually get to like go and be on set and watch the movie be filmed and get to go 
step up onto the Millennium Falcon. Like that is an awesome experience that most of us are never going to have. Um, and that's, you know, probably one of the closest things you'll ever get to do to actually being in the Star Wars universe, like being on an actual real life size set of the Millennium Falcon. But at the same time, I mean, because they're still like early in production on the movie and they haven't really gotten into the post-production type stuff yet. It's like, yeah, he might have gotten to be immersed in the experience, but he didn't get to see, you know, the finished effects. Like if they were shooting an action scene, there were no blaster bolts or lightsabers or anything like that. And, you know, I'm sure he didn't hear John Williams music as he was going on to the Millennium Falcon. So, I mean, obviously it was like, you know, just this huge, awesome experience that I'm sure a lot of us are going to be jealous of, but there's going to be even more to it that, you know, he's going to see for the first time along with all of us when the movie finally comes out. So it's like, yeah, there's even more to it that we're all going to get to experience. It's just going to make it even more awesome. So, um, yeah, I just can't wait to see all of that stuff and that whole experience come together when we finally get to see the movie. And now, now that I had to go and remind us about it, I'm like, it sucks that this is still a, a year and a half away because, you know, as much as we're talking about it and as much as we're like excited for it, it almost feels like it's, you know, a year or even less, but it's like, yeah, it's still pretty much a year and a half away, but I'm sure that time will fly by as we get even more, you know, news and updates and we've got Celebration Anaheim next year and we'll start seeing trailers and all this kind of stuff. And I'm kind of already looking forward to December 18th, 2014, just so I could say episode seven is now officially a year away. And then on December 19th, you could say it's just now officially under a year away. So, And then you'll just start counting down every single day from there. Exactly. We could really say, oh, it's next year. It's less than next year. And then when we hit January, it's coming out this year. Even though it's 11 months away, <laughs> it's coming out this year. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Just to say that it makes it that much more closer. <laughs> I was like that with the prequels. As soon as it hit January 1st, 1999, 2002, and 2005, it was like, yes, we're in the year of a new Star Wars movie. Even if it's in May, we're, we're in that year. It's right around the corner. Yeah, man, that is going to be super exciting. Yes, and I'll be sure to remind you when that day hits. And on Twitter, I'll be sending tweets out like it's just a year away, a year away. Yeah, although I, I, I even did that last year when it hit December eighteenth, where it's like two years away. I know I'll be doing two years from now at midnight. Right? Yeah, I'll I'll probably do the same thing this year when it's December eighteenth. I'll post as my Facebook status or something like I I don't know what I'm doing today, but I know exactly what I'm doing a year from today. Yeah, <laughs> I can already see into the future. <laughs> Yeah, well, then we've got a um, another rumor from Latina Review that sounds kind of cool, but obviously, as we always say with their track record, you know, don't put too much stock into this. But um, they apparently have sources saying, and this is from reported by Jedi News, and so at least this sounds like you know maybe those guys at Jedi News think this is at least plausible enough to report on. But um, it's Latina Review sources saying that uh, they've heard that Disney's team Star Wars has spun up development on a project involving the history of the Sith that pulls from elements found previously in Knights of the Old Republic and the golden age of the Sith parts of the Tales of the Jedi comics. Um, this project seems pretty new, or at least in the first stages of revival, so it's unclear from it's unclear what form this will take, possibly a spin-off movie, TV special, Netflix, uh, animated series, something like that. Um, so... Again, you know, just rumor and speculation, but it's like this is something that would be pretty cool to see. And I'm pretty sure we've mentioned this when we've talked about possible ideas for spinoff movies or maybe, you know, a new Netflix series or another animated series or something like that. Um, I think it would be really cool to see 
anything based on Knights of the Old Republic and set in that time period or, you know, something else that deals with like the ancient Sith Lords and any of that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much because again, we don't really have a whole lot of, um, credible sources and details and stuff to go on right now, but definitely something I'd be interested in seeing. What about you, Tim? Yeah. Come on, Darth Bane movie. That's what I'm hoping for <laughs> when I read this, <laughs> but Kind of what you were saying when I read this, I was like, man, this sounds awesome. But at the same time, it might be too good to be true because, yeah, seems like some stuff based on the history of the Sith would be awesome to see. Whether it's animated, live action, or Netflix series, it would just be really cool just to see it told in some format. And it makes sense, too, because, you know, all those previous stories we got are going to be part of the Legends series now. So you would think Lucasfilm would want to maybe tell the new origins of the Sith that will officially be canon now. So... Maybe it'll just be um, direct adaption of those earlier stories and turn them into movies or animated series or specials that will make those comic stories into canon, or maybe they'll do something totally new and maybe adapt them and have certain elements from those stories, make it into this new canon version history of the Sith. I mean, who knows, but it's definitely exciting, and I just really hope it is true because, yeah, <laughs> seeing the history of the Sith be told in live action or animated format would be awesome. Like I said, I'm clamoring for <laughs> some type of adaption of those Darth Bane novels to be done. <laughs> so that's the first thing I was hoping for when I read this. But who knows? I'm sure they got tons of stuff working in the pipeline as far as ideas and possibilities they can do. Because it's like we said, Star Wars is a never-ending <laughs> possibility. So I'm sure the origin of the Sith is going to be one uh, part of those stories they want to tell eventually. It's just a matter of when, but yeah, it's well, something to get excited for if it ends up being true. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you focus on Darth Bane, I'll focus on Darth Revan, and then hopefully one of us will be right. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> either one of those would be pretty cool to see. But I'll tell you what, I would not be surprised if they're sort of biding their time and waiting to see how the uh, the Marvel stuff turns out. Because I know Marvel is developing That's like true. several series for Netflix right now. Um, I know they have a Daredevil series that I think maybe that's going to be their first one to come out because I've been hearing some casting announcements and stuff about that. Yeah, right and I mean, that. now that Marvel and Star Wars and everything are all part of Disney, like I, I would not be surprised if they're going to kind of wait and see how the Marvel stuff turns out and then have Star Wars sort of follow that model. Because we've talked about this a lot with the spinoff uh, movie ideas, and of course I would love to see a Knights of the Old Republic uh, movie or series or anything like that. But I also kind of think because, you know, it's a video game and it's sort of one of those EU things that some of the hardcore fans know about, but it's not really like something that's known to, you know, the general audience at large. Like just because you've heard of Star Wars, there's not necessarily a good chance that you've heard of Knights of the Old Republic. So I always thought it might be something that's a little bit too uh, niche or a little bit too small and specific to be uh you know, successful as like a big screen movie. But if they could do that as a Netflix series, I think that would be awesome because then not only is it sort of geared more towards, um, you know, the, the audience that wants to watch it, I guess it's more like, you know, geared for, um, I guess Netflix is more suitable towards, uh, you know, sort of those smaller niche audiences, like people that are online and love this stuff and want to find this stuff, like they can go find it and they're not trying to make as much money as possible off of a big theatrical release. Um, but also, I mean, if you do a, a series or a mini series or something like that, you can keep more material from the game intact than trying to trim a, a 30 or 40 hour video game down to a two hour movie. It's like you can uh, include a lot more of the content in a, a Netflix series. So I think that would be really cool to see. 
Um, and again, I'm trying not to get my hopes up because this is the first time we've heard about this and it's coming from Latina Review and we don't have, you know, certainly don't have anything official to go off of, but it's like if this does end up being true, that would be my wish that we would get a, uh, a Netflix series that either is a straight up adaptation of Knights of the Old Republic or at least incorporates some elements from it. Yeah, I don't know what I'd rather see because that Netflix stuff does sound pretty cool. At the same time, it's hard to beat if you got like like I'm hoping for a Darth Bane actual standalone movie or something like that. And even animated stuff is cool. So I don't know. I think I'd be happy either way they go because no matter which direction they go, it's going to be something really cool. And as long as it's, I mean, it, I'd still read it if it was a comic series again <laughs> that's retelling the origins of the Sith. But it wouldn't help me a little disappointed knowing that they have all these other different avenues they can go to. So. As long as it's something that's going to be like the TV or media or movie media, I'll be happy with whatever direction they go. Yeah, well, and especially with the uh, the recent Darth Maul son of Dathomir comics that we've been reading. Yeah, I mean that stuff. It, it's a great comic series, but you know, knowing that it's sort of picking up where the TV series left off, and that these are stories that didn't get to be made into um, episodes for the series, it's like, man, this would be even cooler to see on the screen. And so I don't want to have that same feeling reading a comic book, like, man, they were going to make a Darth Revan movie or a Netflix series or something. And instead it's just a comic book and this comic is cool, but I want to see it on the big screen, you know? But I mean, like you were saying, I, I certainly would not be opposed to seeing it as a movie either. Um, I'm just thinking at least maybe in terms of like, if I am going to get my hopes up, I would hope for just a Netflix series and I would be good with that because a movie almost seems like a, a bit of a pipe dream or something like, um, yeah, I don't know if that'll actually happen. If it does, obviously it would be awesome, but I'm like, I'll, I'll just set the bar at, you know, Netflix or web series or something like that. And if they go even bigger than that, then awesome. But, um, yeah, the Netflix series has its advantages too, because you'd be getting a longer complete story told if it's like, 13 hour long episodes you can tell a lot more with whatever characters is using than a two-hour movie so yeah exactly <laughs> there's an advantage there even though the budget might not be as big but yeah i don't know <laughs> either way could be good i know we got a comment on twitter from the story from brian bailey he says i'd love to see a darker Sith origin series on netflix so they could really push the pg-13 rating and do an exploration of the Sith code so it seems like netflix is kind of gaining more popularity amongst people as far as being a good avenue to a good place to see different TV shows that not necessarily be on regular TV or in movies or stuff like that. It's becoming a like new medium to pretty much, I wouldn't say like the preferred medium now, but it's getting more popular where a lot of people are kind of using Netflix for these brand new series now. And like you said, I think the Marvel series is going to be a good testing ground to see how that does. And I think it'll probably be good. Like most of the stuff Marvel's putting out. So once we see how that works and, I guess about the production quality is the tone of it. Who knows how far they'll really be able to go as far as like ratings and stuff like that, and what content they'll be able to show would be interesting. Because I'm sure they'll be able to do more that they could on like a network television, but maybe not as much as a movie. I don't know. So it should be interesting. And I'm kind of hoping one day, no matter what the series or subject matter is, they do do some with Star Wars on Netflix. Just uh, have that different option out there. Just another way to consume Star Wars. I mean. Why not? <laughs> they're already doing it with Clone Wars and they're testing it out with Marvel. So I'm just hoping eventually it is something Star Wars will be on Netflix. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll see it at some point. Um, you know, like you said, they've already got that avenue there for Clone Wars and with Marvel and stuff. So I, I would, you know, regardless of how true this, uh, this whole history of the Sith thing ends up being, I'm sure we'll see some more Star Wars content on Netflix at some point in the next few years. 
Yeah, because Clone Wars was a big success, so you'd think they'd want to do that again. And another great thing about Netflix, too, like we did with Clone Wars, you can watch them all in one sitting. You could watch like a 13-hour movie <laughs> if you wanted to all in one sitting. I remember I did that with Clone Wars with Lost Missions. Watched it five hours, almost all the episodes. So <laughs> it just you can make it a big Star Wars event that way, too. Yeah, definitely. And then moving on from that, um, we did get a report. And this was sort of a picture that was um, tweeted out from Bad Robot, you know, J.J. Abrams' production company. And it's just a, uh, a picture of an IMAX camera shooting in a desert that I'm pretty sure, you know, it's probably from the Abu Dhabi set. Um, and... Um, yeah, and then, I mean, from this report, they're saying that um, at least part of Star Wars Episode Seven is being shot in IMAX. So, uh, I mean, we had heard earlier that J.J. Abrams had made a big deal of uh, the fact that he's shooting Episode Seven in 35-millimeter film. And so, you know, for parts of it, they're going even bigger with the 70-millimeter IMAX film. So um, that just pretty much confirms that I will be going to see this movie in IMAX when it comes out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and of course that'll be awesome. And the, the one complaint that I've heard from some people is that I think they did this with the dark Knight too, where they shoot part of the movie in IMAX. And I mean, if you've seen this in movies before, like the IMAX format, like fills up more of the screen. It's a, a little bit taller, I guess, um, frame. It's not, it's not quite as like thin and wide as the normal, um, like anamorphic widescreen aspect ratio so you can kind of tell if you're watching it on an IMAX screen you'll see the picture you know going across the screen but there's a little bit of space at the top and the bottom and then when it switches to the shots that are shot in IMAX then it fills up the whole screen and I know for some people that's kind of distracting and they don't like that the um, size of the frame changes for for certain shots or certain scenes but um I mean, I would heck, I'd rather have the whole movie shot in IMAX, but I'd rather have some IMAX scenes than no IMAX, especially if I'm going to go see it on an IMAX screen. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. And I just, you know, can't wait to go see it on as big a screen as possible. And I'm, you know, hoping that uh, that IMAX look is going to add even more greatness to just the whole Star Wars visual aspect. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I first saw this news, like I got excited for it because like you, you mentioned the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, those were because I think those are the only like movies I've seen and have on Blu-ray that certain scenes were shot in IMAX. I know what you're talking about too, where the scenes that aren't shot in IMAX, it goes to the different like aspect ratio on the screen. But man, those scenes that are shot in IMAX, they, they look amazing. So it's like, I'd rather have like the big epic battle sequence be shot in IMAX and I could live with some like aspect ratio transitions and like the, maybe the quieter moments or the dramatic moments of the movies. But if the big action sequences and fight scenes are shot in IMAX, Man, it's going to look amazing. And just in the theater, too, I actually just recently had my first, like, good IMAX experience <laughs> at a theater because previously I saw the prologue for The Dark Knight Rises and I was kind of sitting up front at that big screen and didn't really enjoy it too much because, <laughs> like, oh, man, I don't know if I could sit through a whole movie like this. But I just recently saw that 17-minute uh, preview of Guardians of the Galaxy that was shot in 3D or it was shot in 3D on the IMAX screen. And man, I was blown away by that. I was, had good seats this time, so I wasn't in the front. And it was just so immersive. The 3D was really great on it, and just the size of the screen it was just really pretty much a new movie-going experience for me, being like the first true uh, IMAX experience that I saw where I actually enjoyed it. So after I saw that, it got even more pumped for Episode 7 because I'm definitely going to go see Episode 7 in IMAX now, even if it's in 3D too, because I was impressed with how... Guardians of the Galaxy looked in 3D, and it's as, Episode Seven is as good as that, man. It's going to be so immersive and just a really cool experience to 
see Star Star Wars movies like that. So yeah, this news really got me excited. I just hope they use a good portion of the action sequences to film an IMAX, and it's not just like maybe one scene or two. I hope they use it as much as they could. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to make it look awesome. I mean, I'm already a big fan of the IMAX format. And I mean, even though the the Star Wars movies are my favorite movies, my favorite franchise and everything, I still think my favorite singular like movie watching experience or at least movie theater experience was seeing Avatar in IMAX 3D. And that was just, oh, just mind blowing. I mean, with the, the size of the huge screen and the the way they did the 3D and that and the graphics and everything was just you know, unbelievable. And so I'm hoping episode seven tops that. And I'm sure it probably will because, you know, I say that's my favorite movie theater experience, but a very close second was seeing the midnight show of episode three. And that wasn't even in IMAX or 3d or anything like that. Um, and so, you know, seeing a new star Wars movie and just the fact that it's star Wars and we're getting to see it again, but then, you know, if, if they do it on the IMAX screen and I don't think they're shooting in 3d, but, I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that, you know, unless something changes with the uh, the trend in the industry over the next couple of years, it's probably a safe bet to assume this movie's coming out in 3D, too, that they're going to do, you know, the um, conversion and post-production and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, yeah. that I'm not necessarily as excited for, but if it's IMAX 3D, like, yeah, I'll pay to go see that. And I'm betting I'm, – I'm already betting that this is going to be, you know, probably my new favorite – movie theater experience, especially again, given the, the, uh, report we got from Kevin Smith, like that has just sort of cemented my, uh, my optimism for it. And, you know, I'm not like thinking that I might be getting over anxious or overexcited. I'm like, okay, now I'm officially excited for this. <laughs> and you're talking about the 3d conversion. I, I know everyone said that's not the best way to do it, but the technology's advanced even more so now where like post-convergent 3D is almost just as good as when you film it in 3D. And I believe that's what they did with Guardians of the Galaxy from the footage that I saw too. And besides episode one, when that was released in 3D, because that was the only 3D movie I saw in theaters. Uh, so the Guardians was my second one. And like I said, it just blew me away. I didn't expect it to be that good and immersive in 3D. It was almost like I could stick my hand out and like touch some of the characters if I wanted to <laughs> that like immersive with it. So I'm just really hoping episode seven is going to be as good as that, if not better when they do if they do do it in 3d post-conversion just the fact that it's imax it's going to be awesome because before i saw that guardians of the galaxy preview i was just excited that oh when i get episode 7 on blu-ray we'll have those awesome scenes shot in imax be look even better on blu-ray than the normal scenes kind of like i mentioned with the dark knight and dark knight rises but after that guardian of the galaxy experience like i'm definitely going to see in the theater now at imax screen it's like i have to it's just like I said before, it's going to be an amazing experience to see a Star Wars movie like that. And it just goes to show you too how like inexperienced I am at seeing IMAX or 3D movies. <laughs> <I've just been laughs> strictly normal 2D movies all the way, but <laughs> that Guardians of the Galaxy preview sold me on it when it's done right. Yeah, that, it's it's definitely something that can go either way, and that looks really good when it's done right. I actually had my first bad 3d viewing experience in a while recently with, uh, X-Men days of future past. Oh, really? that was well, you know, it's funny because a lot of people sometimes complain with 3d that, you know, the glasses are sort of like tinted and it makes the image look darker. And I've never really had a problem with that. Like, you know, when I go see movies in three, usually I think it, you know, it still looks pretty good. The image still looks good. But with this one, I saw it in 2d first and then I saw it in 3d and especially some of the darker scenes, like at the beginning of the movie where, you know, it's, it's 
just sort of this darker atmosphere, like in the future where they're getting hunted by the Sentinels and all that. And it's like nighttime. And, um, I, I like was almost having trouble making out some things in the scene with the glasses on. I was like, this looks darker than it's supposed to, I think. Um, and also, I don't know if it was just my theater or my glasses or just the projection system or something, but also the, the whole movie, the 3d looked a little bit off. It was like, you know, kind of had this little ghosting image behind it or something. But, um, I mean, that was an isolated incident. I'm sure, that the people at ILM are going to do a better job with the, the 3d conversion for a new star Wars movie. So I'm still pretty excited for that. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, it's going to be the best there can be when it comes to with ILM doing the work for it. Yeah. And then, um, we also got an announcement of a new crew member working on the movie, uh, Brian Weir, who is the guy who did the original sculpt for Darth Vader's helmet in the original trilogy announced that he's working on episode seven, which I thought was a little bit interesting because, I mean, we've heard that, um, you know, we've heard rumors that the stormtroopers in this movie might have helmets that look a little bit more like Darth Vader's or something. Um, but this, uh, I mean, this report, this announcement came out just a couple of weeks ago and, um, it was, you know, Brian, we were like announcing on his Facebook page and he said, today I started on star Wars episode seven. And so I'm like, normally the, the prop building and construction and all that kind of stuff is something that you do in pre-production before you start filming. And I'm like, he's just starting working on it like halfway through episode seven that's a little interesting and so you know maybe there's like some villain that they haven't started filming yet and he's designing the costume just for that villain um i mean i would find it hard to believe that um yeah if he is indeed like my kind of my first thought was that maybe if he's the guy who's um doing the helmets or that he did the helmet for darth vader and if these rumors are true that the new stormtroopers have helmets that look like darth vader i was thinking maybe they came on to have him build those but i think it's a little late in the game to just be starting on those helmets so um you know maybe they have him working on like just one special project that's not going to come up till later in the production i don't know but um yeah i thought that was a little bit puzzling, but at the same time, you know, it's always good to hear that, uh, you know, more people that were involved in the original trilogy are involved in this new movie. Well, this obviously confirms that Darth Vader is going to be in episode seven. I mean, <laughs> they're bringing the original <laughs> sculptor for the helmet. So of course he has to be in it. <laughs> but no, like you said, it's just cool that they're getting someone from the original trilogy again, working on a new helmet. And like I said before, I think in our last episode, I just can't wait to see what cool new helmet designs we're going to get for this movie. Cause to me, that's a big part of star Wars is how awesome and cool all their helmets look. So I just can't wait and just have someone who worked on the original Darth Vader helmet back for episode seven is cool, but it's interesting because he announced this on his Facebook page, but now the link to that portion of it no longer working. So <laughs> I wonder if Disney or Lucasfilm found out about this and kind of put the ax on that post that he made. <laughs> like, uh, you really shouldn't be talking about that right now. But He has failed them for the last time. Yeah. <laughs> he's excited to start work on it that day, and now he's fired. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt that. Or dead, or yeah. <laughs> buried out at Area 51. You will no longer have internet connection. <laughs> Just work on these helmets. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, then we've got another rumor regarding a possible um, a, a possible name for a character in Episode Seven, and this is apparently this is someone over on the Jedi Council forums who has um, you know connections to the actual production of Episode Seven, and he posted a couple of images that are maybe like from the uh, the characters' trailers or something. They were shooting out on location in this forest in England. 
Um, and we actually have another link to some images from that. And uh, it's like the Forest of Dean in Gloucestershire, something like that in England. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing it right. But um, so we've, you know, they've got images of some trailers and production vehicles and stuff out there. Um, but anyway, then this guy on these forums posted these pictures that were supposedly from like the doors of the actors trailers or something. Um, and one says rocker number three that supposedly might be like a creature. And then one is this character named Kira and people are um, speculating that, oh, maybe this is the name of Daisy Ridley's character. You know, maybe it's Kira Solo instead of Jaina Solo. I found this odd just because I just finished playing Star Wars The Old Republic before we got on and recorded this. And as we were kind of going through all these news stories before we started recording, this was the first time I had seen this one um, because I had still been kind of busy with work over the past couple weeks and stuff. And I've been catching most of the big news stories, but a couple of the minor rumors and stuff like this kind of slipped past me. Um, and there's a, a character named Kira in the Old Republic, and I was playing as the Jedi Knight class, and she's one of your main companions throughout the storyline. And so I was like, oh, that would be kind of interesting to have two um, you know, Star Wars characters with the same name. Because, I mean, we've never really seen that before. Obviously, it's like in a galaxy with billions of people over the span of you know 4,000 years in between these two stories, it would not be a stretch to have two characters with the same name, but I don't think that's something we've ever had before. Um, but at the same time, I mean, they're saying like, this could just be a code name and something to you know throw people off if they're trying to, um, you know, change the, or if they're trying to keep the name a secret, like they could be, you know, posting a different one on the door of the trailer or something in case anybody finds out, or this could be a, a character in the movie, but not Daisy Ridley's character. It could be somebody else completely. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Not again, not something I would try to read too much into or put too much stock in, but, you know, just throwing it out there as a rumor, um, that there may be a character named Kira in the movie. I doubt there's going to be a character named rocker number three. Um, <laughs> you know, although, I mean, if it's like some unnamed character, that could be what they're labeled as in the credits. But, um, you know, obviously that's some designation for, I don't know. They're saying like an alien or a creature or something. I was thinking like, well, maybe they're going to have a new band in the Moss Eisley Cantina. And instead of those Bith jamming out on their big old clarinets or whatever they are, like maybe they'll have a rock band in there this time. I don't know. Yeah. That, we had to see a rock band in Star Wars. We saw like the jazz cantina band. Then we saw like the, I guess you could say pop band with the Max Rebo band. We need to see a hard rock metal band in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, the only rock band we've seen in Star Wars so far is the hidden Easter egg in Lego Star Wars 2 in Jabba's Palace when you <laughs> you can like use the Force to like set up all these different, you know, you set up like some speakers and a disco ball and stuff around this room in Jabba's Palace and once you've got it all set up, then a couple of Gamorrean guards come out and start playing their axes like guitars and playing this rock version of the Imperial March. And it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I forgot all about that. <laughs> and then there's the disco on Camino in Lego star Wars one. Yeah. Yes. You can mark that as confirmed. We're getting a rock band in episode seven. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be Gamorreans. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. There you Lego go. Gamorreans, no less. Uh, yeah, we're going all out there on this one. <laughs> But I could definitely see Kira being a name. It's, it sounds like a Star Wars name. But again, who knows? I mean, these could just be photoshopped or something. They said it's from like the Winnebago's on that uh, shoot from Puzzlewood. But the thing that is another thing that might lead it to a little more evidence was that it does have the, um, I guess, the 
secret name that the production name they're using for it, Av Avco. And those were listed right above there. But again, anyone can maybe just Photoshop that on there, so who knows? But it's a name I can definitely see as a possibility. It does sound like a name you would hear in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. And again, it could be for the main female lead character, it could be for any other number of, you know, minor characters in there. So I mean we'll just have to wait and see. But and Kira Skywalker and Kira Solo does have a nice ring to it. So it doesn't It kinda does. I actually I mean now that you say it, I like Skywalker more than Solo. Yeah, I'd agree, yeah. Well but Skywalker sounds cool with anything. <laughs> as far as we know, Luke doesn't have a daughter, but he could. We don't know. You know, we don't know who anybody's playing at this point except for the the returning original cast members. That's um, true. And, and maybe Leia didn't take the solo name. She still remained a Skywalker. <laughs> and their daughter decided to pick the Skywalker name. I mean, because, come on, there's no last name that's cooler than Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, not really. Um, but then speaking of origi uh, returning original cast members, um, Ian McDermott did confirm that he is not in Episode 7. Um, and he was like, he, he did this video um, video interview at a film festival um, where, you know, people were asking him questions and somebody asked him about Star Wars and he was like, yeah, well, you know, as you know, there's going to be a lot more Star Wars in the future and the Emperor's dead and I'm not playing him in Episode 7, but, you know, possibly if they make a, a spinoff movie or something at some point that, revi you know, revisits and, like, returns back to a time when the Emperor was ruling the galaxy, um, then, you know, I wouldn't want anybody else to play him, so I would come back and play him. So, I mean, I, th I would... Heck, I'd love to see him play the Emperor again in a context that makes sense. So, you know, if there were a spinoff movie where it took place in between episodes three and four or four and five or something like that, and, uh, you know, the Emperor was still in charge, I'd love to see Ian McDiarmid play him again because he's one of my favorite characters and one of my favorite performances by an actor in the whole Star Wars saga. I think he's just, you know, such an awesome... Uh, villain and you know just such a great like evil mastermind and you know the the cackling evil bad guy who's just pulling all the strings i'd love to see that again but i'm glad that he's not coming back for for episode seven because as much as i'd love to see him again i don't want to see him come back from the dead just because they ran out of ideas and like oh well let's bring the the old villains back yeah i like too how he covered all his bases where he just didn't say no palpatine's dead and he's not coming back but he also said no, I'm not coming back. I'm not going to be in reincarnation of some form, or I'm not coming back as a hologram. Like he knew the different possibilities that the different people can work him into Episode Seven again without physically coming back. But no, he said he's not in it. But like you said, if they do a spin-off movie or a, like that takes place during the Empire or something, yeah, he'd want to come back. And that's good to hear that he still wants to do that. And he has that love for the character. Where no, I don't want to see anyone else play him because yeah, I don't think any other fan would want to see anyone else play Palpatine either. Yeah, it's funny that actors sort of have that attachment to their characters because, I mean, I've heard of at least a couple of other, um, like, sort of high-profile um, instances that I can think of of an actor who, like, wasn't sure if they were going to come back to play their character for a major franchise. Um, like, I know Ian McKellen did this playing Gandalf in the Hobbit movies. Like, at first, he wasn't quite sure if he wanted to come back and, you know, go through the whole process again of playing the character. But then when he thought about it, he was like well, if I don't do it, somebody else is going to play it, and that's my character, and I don't want to see anybody else play it, so I'm going to go back and do it again. Um, so, you know, that's kind of interesting just that they have that mentality. But, yeah, I mean, heck, it's Star Wars, and if that if I were in those shoes, I would want to go back and be in that universe anyways. But, um, yeah, you know, I'm sure you don't want to see somebody like 
possibly mess up what you've created. And so you want to just keep going and continue, um, you know, making that your own character. But yeah, I mean, I would love to see him back in that role at some point. And even though he mentioned like the, um, you know, holograms and statues and all that kind of stuff, I was like, that's something I might not mind quite as much, especially if, uh, you know, whatever new dark side villains they have in this movie, if they happen to find like Emperor Palpatine's holocron or something like that. And he just gets a chance to like be a hologram and pass on a little bit of evil Sith wisdom to the next generation of bad guys. That would be pretty cool to see as long as he's not like coming back from the dead. Um, that's the one thing yeah. I don't want to see, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if we have to wait to see him in a, a spinoff movie or something like that, that'd be cool too. Yep. Darth Plagueis, the movie, let's make it happen. Sorry, oh, there we go. <laughs> so we got Darth Bane and then we got, uh, Darth Plagueis. Those are our two, uh, histories of the Sith projects we want to see. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. And then um, I think this is our last, yeah, last episode seven related thing. And this is just another small rumor from uh, Jedi News that uh, they're hearing, you know, some rumors and rumblings and stuff that uh, Stephen Moffat, who is the showrunner on Doctor Who at the moment, um, that he might have some involvement in a future Star Wars movie. And... You know, again, nothing official yet. This is just, uh, you know, speculation or stuff that they're hearing. But this is something that I would love to see as a big Doctor Who fan. Um, and I think he's done a great job with the show. I think he comes up with some really great stories. And um, he's sort of been involved with uh, Lucas and Spielberg and all those guys before. Um, although, I mean, not Lucas necessarily, but he worked on the script for the Adventures of Tintin movie that came out back in 2011. And, of course, he worked with... Um, Steven Spielberg and Peter Jackson on that movie. And then, of course, they're noting how you know there's a lot of connective tissue between Lucas and Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm and all that. Um, so I think it would be really cool to bring Steven Moffat sort of into that group and have him work on Star Wars. Um, and again, we'll just have to sort of wait and see what the future holds. Um, you know, nothing really concrete to go on at the moment. But um, it's also, you know, it's one of those things that certainly isn't out of the realm of plausibility because of those connections and the stuff he's worked on before. And because obviously with the success of Doctor Who and especially because, I mean, it's always just sort of been like a, a British thing that was, um, I mean, it's been on like since the 60s and it was popular in Great Britain, but just over the last few years, it's kind of exploded in popularity in America and all over the rest of the world. And I think Stephen Moffat has a lot to do with that. And so he's obviously someone who knows a lot about making a, a great and successful and popular sci-fi franchise. So I think he's, uh, he's someone that could uh, definitely be uh, a, a good person to bring on board for Star Wars. So I say go for it. Yeah, I'm just going to base it off from what I know how big of a fan of you are, Doctor Who, and this is how I know po how popular Doctor Who is, that uh, he probably, I guess, would be a good choice for it, because I haven't seen Doctor Who uh, at all, so I'm not one to comment on that, but judging by how popular it is and how, uh, knowing how much you like it, maybe it could be a good fit to have him in Star Wars. So I did see The Adventures of Tintin, which was a really, really cool movie, I thought. It just it was almost like another Indiana Jones movie. It was just like a good adventure film. So if he did that, then yeah, <laughs> I'm a fan of that. So if he's in the Star Wars, I wouldn't find any reason to complain if it does end up being true. Yeah, and I mean, I would agree with you there because I loved that movie as well. He also is the uh, the showrunner or producer on uh, Sherlock, um, which is sort of more of a mini series. They only do like three episodes a season, but that series is really good too, and I love that one. Um, so maybe if he did Star Wars, then, 
you know, maybe that would be when they finally get Benedict Cumberbatch involved because, yeah. uh, you know, he's plays Sherlock Holmes in that series. But so um, let's, let's link this to those Sith rumors. Stephen Moffat's directing the Darth Bane movie starring Benedict Cumberbatch as Darth Bane. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Or he could be Darth Plagueis. Yeah, there in you your go. Plagueis movie. There he we could, go. He could be dressed up in the in the moon makeup. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, see, it's funny because, I mean, as much as I love Doctor Who, it's not one of those things that I watch and it just makes me go like, oh, man, the guy who did this should totally do Star Wars. Like, it's a completely different type of sci-fi. Um, but, you know, I, I still love it. And I just think that, uh, you know, obviously it's like that's not all Stephen Moffat can do. I'm mean, between Doctor Who and Sherlock and Tintin, like, those are all pretty different and diverse projects. And I think he does a great job with all of them. So um, I'm sure he could, uh, you know, bring a lot to the table with star Wars as well and not just have it feel like a, a doctor who episode with lightsabers, you know, he could, uh, you know, do something different with it for star Wars, but also, you know, sort of put his own unique stamp on it. So I think that would be really cool to see. Or a doctor who star Wars crossover and they're having them <laughs> bridge both projects. <laughs> Man, that would be see if if they did that, then they should just bring in the Mass Effect video games as well. Because um, you know, you and I were talking about this yeah. earlier. How in the the trailer for the newest season of Doctor Who, there's an alien robot kind of looking thing in there that looks a lot like Garrus or another Turian from Mass Effect. And I apologize for those of you who don't watch Doctor Who or don't play Mass Effect. You probably have no idea what we're talking about right now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, obviously that's, you know, not really something they've ever done with Star Wars before and not something I would expect them to do. But if they ever did do some sort of big sci-fi crossover project just for fun, you know, I think that would be pretty cool. And for good measure, we'll throw in the Marvel Universe there, too. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. It's going to be one big old massive universe shattering crossover event. <laughs> yeah, we get... Captain America happens to stumble upon the TARDIS and the doctor takes him for a ride and they accidentally go through a wormhole and end up in the middle of a space battle in Star Wars and all kinds of crazy stuff happens. You see, it writes itself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, all right, so then, you know, just a few more other small updates. Um, there's a, a new sort of look, I guess, a, a new update to StarWars.com. Um, they've added some new sections and just sort of refreshed their, their main page there and the layout and everything. Um, you know, it looks pretty cool. It's not hugely radically different from what they had before. Um, you know, I was seeing on Twitter and stuff like, oh, check out the new StarWars.com. And I was kind of excited, like, oh, let's go see, you know, is it going to be like totally different? Um, and then I looked and it's like, nah, it's different, but not all that much different. So. Um, you know, not hugely exciting, but uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, you can see the new layout over there. Um, also, there's a new Star Wars mobile game supposedly coming out soon, and there hasn't been any sort of official announcement about this or any news from, you know, Lucasfilm or Disney or LucasArts or anything like that. But um, it's this game called Star Wars Commander, and it's a real-time strategy game for, um, you know, iPhone and Android, and I think maybe Windows Phone as well. But um, it's launched on the Australian App Store, which is something they kind of do. Like sometimes they'll launch apps before they come out in you know the U.S. and all the, the major territories around the world. Sometimes they'll release them just in like Canada or Australia or something like that. And they call it a soft launch and, you know, it'll just be like one area to kind of test it out. It's kind of like a beta test or something um, just to sort of, you know, get out the bugs or see people's reactions to it or whatever. But 
Um, it, you know, this, this Star Wars Commander game has launched in Australia, and they've got all these screenshots and details and stuff about it. Um, I think it looks pretty cool. Tim, I know you're not really a fan of uh, real-time strategy games, but... Um, I mean, at least as far as mobile games go, I think this one looks pretty cool, and I'll probably check it out if and when it does come out um, in the U.S., but um, I think it's based uh, or set in between episodes four and five, and you can play as the Rebels or the Imperials and, uh, you know, build up your bases and your units and AT-ATs and TIE Fighters, and you can command heroes like Han Solo and Princess Leia, so, um, you know, I'm pretty excited for it, and for those of you who like um, the, you know, the Star Wars mobile games and strategy games and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, this is one to, to keep an eye out for. Um, also there are a couple of videos for it, um, on YouTube and I forget what the, the name of the, um, channel is that posted them. I think it's like touch gameplay or something like that. Um, but if you go on YouTube and just look up Star Wars commander for iOS or something like that, you can find, um, two videos where they, uh, they post like a half hour long gameplay session where they're playing through once as the rebels and once as the Imperials and just kind of get a sense of, um, how the gameplay goes. So, um, keep an eye out for that. If that's something that you're interested in. Um, and then lastly, um, we've got an announcement from Marvel. that just came out this past, uh, I think this is, yeah, just this past week. Um, that the first, you know, now that the license for star Wars comics is going back to Marvel, the first thing that they're releasing is uh, this big collection volume of all the original Star Wars Marvel comics that came out back like in the 70s and 80s before um, you know Dark Horse before Dark Horse started making all the newer stuff. Um, so they're coming out with this big uh, collection of all the old Star Wars Marvel comics. So and for those of you who are into the old school comic type stuff, that uh, is something you might want to look into picking up. I don't know, Tim, were you uh, kind of excited for this? A little bit. I can't say I was like eagerly waiting to pick up the old Marvel Star Wars comics. Um, I've heard stories of them. This might be something that's fun to look back and see how, what stories, ideas they had in the Star Wars universe before we knew anything that would happen, like before Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, and the prequels. But it could be fun to go back. And now that they're having this complete omnibus collection, it might be something that could be worth picking up because it's just be nice and you don't have to go digging for any lost issues. It's just all going to be right there. So I think I might actually pick this up just to go back and see what the star Wars stories were like back then. And I got to have something of Jack's on the rabbit. So (laughs) (laughs) I think it makes sense too, that they're doing this before they announce any like new upcoming Marvel projects or comics that they're going to announce with star Wars. Let's just put the old stuff out first, get those out there in case anyone wants to go back who hasn't read those or some of the original fans who were collecting them back in those days and want them in one nice big collection, it will be good for have them to, for them to get it this way too. So I think it makes perfect sense to get this stuff out there. And then after that's announced or released, we'll get new stories and I guess new announcements of what Star Wars titles we can expect uh, Marvel to put out. So it all makes perfect sense to me why they're putting this out first. Yeah. You know, honestly, I can't say I'm like super excited for this. Um, you know, like you said, I've he- I've heard about some of the older Star Wars Marvel comics and, you know, stuff like Jackson and some of those other guys. And I'm like, um, yeah, okay. I'm glad that's not canon, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. It might be something I might check out. See, this is the kind of thing that I would go to Barnes and Noble and like see this on the shelf and just kind of sit there for like half an hour and flip through it and, you know, kind of read some of the stuff, but I don't know that I would necessarily buy this and take it home and read all the way through it. But, um, I am excited to see what kind of new stuff they do with the uh, with the Star Wars comics license, and hopefully we get some news about that at Comic Con. 
Um, since we're getting this announcement, you know, before Comic-Con, maybe this is like, okay, like you said, just kind of getting this one out of the way first. And then um, hopefully at Comic-Con, maybe we'll uh, get a sneak peek at some of the new stuff they're going to come out with. Yeah, there is one. I remember looking at an issue of Star Wars Insider like years ago where it had some like pages and stuff taken from the old Marvel comics. So there was one story that caught my interest just to see what it was about. But it was something where I believe it was Luke who met some character on a planet who knew obi-wan anakin skywalker and darth vader together as jedi knights <laughs> it's like telling the old like stories of the three of them together before darth vader betrayed anakin and killed them this is obviously before empire strikes back came out so <laughs> it's just funny to see stories like that and what certain ideas that the writers had before any of the movies the sequel movies can prequel stuff came out so just like you said, you know it's not canon anymore, so it's just going to be fun to go back and read stuff like that and just see what it was like back then. So yeah, stuff like the that, author, I'm wondering. I bet the author of that comic was really mad when he saw Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time to retcon already. <laughs> so stuff like that, I think, would just be fun to go back and check those out. Yeah, kind of almost like be... how uh, the recent the Star Wars comics were, seeing what the original screenplay was like and what Star Wars could have been, even though, you know, it's nothing like that was going to be in the movie but that really wasn't the best but it's still fun to read through and to see like the different ideas that they had so this might be more of a nostalgic type thing for some people just to go back and look at it again yeah definitely and now speaking of comic-con um and we did get an official announcement that uh you know seeing as how episode seven is still like in the middle of production and it's not coming out until the end of next year that episode seven will not be uh, making an appearance at Comic Con, which I don't think any of us are, you know, hugely shocked or disappointed by. Um, there's, you know, plenty of movies coming out this year and earlier next year that we can get excited about that they're going to be showing off stuff for. Um, and I'm definitely looking forward to the Star Wars panel there next year. Um, yeah. <laughs> as well as, you know, I'm hoping we get more stuff at Celebration Anaheim, or you know, at least that we get like the first sneak peeks and stuff. And I hope they don't like save the first trailer for Comic Con, but. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't expecting really there to be anything at Comic-Con this year. Um, but there will be plenty of stuff about Star Wars Rebels. Um, and uh, they're, they're going to have their big panel called the Heroes of Star Wars Rebels at San Diego Comic-Con on Thursday at 6 p.m. Um, and it's going to have Dave Filoni as well as the first panel appearances by Simon Kinberg and Freddie Pins Jr., Vanessa Marshall, Steve Bloom, Tia Surkar, and Taylor Gray. Um, so I think that's, let's see, yeah, that's the whole crew of the Ghost right there. Um, so that's, you know, all the heroes of Rebels as well as, um, you know, the executive producers, Dave Filoni and Simon Kinberg. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously they haven't revealed a whole lot of information about it before the the, the panel at Comic-Con, but um, they're saying that, uh, you know, they'll discuss making the show and they'll debut, debut several exclusive reveals from the upcoming series for fans in attendance. Um, and they're saying it's scheduled to premiere in the fall as a one hour special telecast on Disney channel. And it'll be followed by a series on Disney XD. Um, so that's definitely something to look forward to for anyone who is lucky enough to be going to San Diego comic-con. Um, and for the rest of us, I know we'll be uh, definitely watching the the live Twitter feeds and, you know, the people who live tweet that stuff and then anything they post on StarWars.com or any other websites that, uh, you know, post the, the trailers and screenshots and anything like that, that they might be revealing there at the panel. So that should definitely be exciting to see some new cool stuff from that. 
Yeah, I mean, the Star Wars Rebels panels that we've had in the past, like at WonderCon, the New York Comic Con, those are great, and the limited stuff they're able to show there. And Comic Con, the San Diego Comic Con is like the mother of all comic conventions. So I think they're pretty safe to say they'll probably go all out with Rebels and show a few new clips, reveal some information, and just get you more pumped up for the series than ever before. And hopefully, I'm hoping this is where we get the exact premiere date, because <laughs> it seems like the perfect opportunity to announce that. It'll just be a few months away from July uh, 24th when this con happens. So I was hoping we get that information at least. But yeah, it'd just be cool to hear everyone talk about their characters and have Dave Filoni on there and Simon Kimbrew for the first time. So it should probably be, for Star Wars fans, the highlight of Comic-Con, I imagine. But I will say, going back to the report where Episode 7, there will be no Episode 7 coverage there. I was like you, where it pretty much wasn't too big of a shock, but... There was still a part of me that was thinking, well, I think maybe we can get a title announcement here. Maybe. Because we had the episode three Revenge of the Sith title at the San Diego Comic-Con 2004. I figured, well, since they announced that there, and by the time 2015 uh, San Diego Comic-Con rolls around, episode seven will be a few months away. And we'll probably have the title by then. So just maybe we might get it at this one. But Unless that's a big surprise and they announced it out of the blue. I don't think that's going to happen. But I always did have that possibility in the back of my mind that just maybe we might get a title. But now, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, if anything, maybe they'll announce it on StarWars.com like the week of Comic-Con. You know, maybe with a, a recorded video from J.J. Abrams or something. But, I mean, when you say they revealed the, the title of Episode 3 at Comic-Con in 2004... Um, you know, at that point, episode three was less than a year away because it came out in May and we're still, you know, about a year and a half away from episode seven because it's coming out in December. So, um, and yeah, you know, JJ Abrams and Mark Hamill and any of those guys that are over filming in London right now, like they're not going to take a break from filming to come back over here for a week just to tell us what the title is going to be. Um, so yeah, I would rather they just keep on working on it and focus on making an awesome movie and then tell us all about it afterwards and before it comes out and get us all excited for it. But, um, yeah, you made a good point though about the previous Rebels panels and like just how much stuff we've gotten to see from those panels and, you know, how much they talk about it. And I mean, even though we haven't seen, we still haven't seen like a ton of footage from the show, but I think at the last, was it at WonderCon that they released the, uh, the theme music for it, um, as well as like a couple of preview clips and at other conventions before that, we've had, you know, tons of concept art and, uh, just, you know, the voice actors talking about their characters and, um, you know, the creators talking about like what the show is going to be and what it's going to be about and sort of all their thought process and um, love for Star Wars and everything that goes into making the show. And so, yeah, I definitely would expect this to be a a good panel where we're going to get a lot of good new information and hopefully some more, you know, uh, uh, clips and trailers and screenshots and concept art and all that kind of stuff. And as far as a release date, I would think hopefully this is when we're finally going to get like the big trailer. You know, we've got the, the one minute trailer that they said was like the first, you know, official full length trailer for rebels, but I'm still hoping that we'll get like a two to three minute long trailer. Like we used to get for every season of clone wars. And at the end of that trailer, it'll just have, you know, star Wars rebels coming to Disney channel on October 22nd, 2014, which is the date that we've heard thrown around the most as sort of the rumored premiere date, even though we still don't have anything official yet. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't need somebody to like get up on stage and be like, we finally have a release date. 
Um, you know, that would be kind of cool, but I'm hoping it's like at the end of the trailer. Cause honestly, I'd rather see more stuff in a trailer than have a release date, but, um, sure. you know, it's like, just put the release date at the end of the trailer and kill two birds with one stone. Yeah. And I, or like two Minox with one blaster bolt, if you will. <laughs> there you go. I think too, it would be cool for a trailer. Cause I get the feeling for that one minute trailer we got earlier, that was just from the premiere movie or two episodes that we're going to get on the Disney channel. And maybe at Comic-Con we'll get a longer trailer, like you said, but maybe just have it of different episodes like a season Clone Wars trailer would have or showcasing different episodes in arc. Just to kind of give us more idea of what we can expect in the series instead of just focusing on one episode or something like that. But I will say, too, the poster that they put up for this announcement for the panel was really cool. It's probably the coolest poster they put out for Rebels. It just feels like a classic Star Wars poster where you got the Inquisitor's head in the background. You got TIE fighters flying out. You got all the major characters lying down. Stormtroopers. You got Lothal in the background. You got Chopper flying out. You holding a Stormtrooper helmet with the Rebel logo spray painted on it. So that's a pretty cool design poster for Star Wars Rebels. Yeah, it definitely is a cool looking poster. I'm like, I want one of these now. Yeah, who knows? Maybe if you're at Comic Con, you might get get these handed out to you at the panel or something. Yeah, maybe. Sadly, that won't be me. But yeah, um, <laughs> or me. <laughs> yeah, but definitely something to look forward to. Um, and you know what? Like you were saying with that uh, that one minute trailer, I think that was probably stuff just from the premiere, and it seemed like they were still holding back and trying to keep some stuff a secret. I mean, we saw a little bit of agent Callus in that video. We only saw the inquisitor right at the end, even though he's kind of been touted as like the big main villain for this whole series. So I was kind of surprised we didn't see a little bit more of him in there, but I would think that whatever clips or trailers or anything that we're going to see from Comic-Con will show a little bit more of him. Now that we finally have the official reveal videos for agent Callus and, uh, the Imperial Inquisitor showing, um, you know, these are kind of like the, the same videos we've seen with um, all the main crew of the ghosts, like the main characters on the rebel side. So, of course, you've got Dave Filoni and Simon Kinberg and Greg Wiseman and all those guys talking about the design of the character and, um, you know, sort of the, all this behind the scenes kind of stuff. We also get the voice actors revealed for these two characters. Um, and I think we might've mentioned this last time that it was just a rumor, but now we know for sure that David Oyelowo is, uh, doing the voice for agent Callis and Jason Isaacs, who, um, people probably know best as Lucius Malfoy from Harry Potter. Um, and he's also been in the Patriot and some other movies where he's played kind of like villainous characters and stuff. Um, you know, pretty well-known actor. He's going to be doing the voice of the Inquisitor. So that's pretty cool to have, um, you know, just two, not huge names necessarily, but both of these guys have been in fairly successful movies. They're, you know, fairly well-known. So, I mean, it's not like these guys, and I don't want to, you know, put down voice actors or anything and, uh, you know, say that they're like not good enough for anything. Because obviously, I mean, I have a huge amount of respect for, um, you know, James Arnold Taylor and Tom Kane and D. Bradley Baker and all the other voice actors on Clone Wars. Those guys were awesome. And, uh, you know, Steve Bloom and Freddie Prince Jr. and all these guys on Rebels. Um, you know, I'm excited to see what they do. But I mean, even Freddie Prince Jr. there, he's that's another name that people probably know more as uh, a live action um, you know, on-screen actor, and then to have uh, David Oyelowo and Jason Isaacs joining the cast, it's just kind of interesting to see, like, oh, okay, they're, um, you know, it kind of seems like they're going for some bigger-name actors here, um, and we'll see if that pays off, obviously, with, uh, you know, when we hear their performances on screen, but um, certainly seems like they're they're going all out to make this as good a show as they can from 
the the look of it and the the stories and everything all the way up to um you know getting some some big names in here to voice the characters yeah definitely it's good to finally have it official too where pretty much we know all the main characters and all the main cast that's going to be for star wars rebels it's now official <laughs> and again like we did with the rebels heroes um this, these two videos gave us a great inside look of what we can expect more from these characters and agent Callus, i mean he has a great imperial design look just harkening back to those early imperial offices we saw in a new hope it just looks like he was straight out of the 70s with those big sideburns that he has on him. <laughs> Maybe the only downside about Agent Callus is now that uh, I I can't get around uh, not pronouncing David Oyelowo's name now. <laughs> but see, I think you just did it pretty well right there. See, that was just a lucky shot. I took. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably never pronounce it that good again. In but, my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I have to have that mentality. But yeah, it's great casting there. And then with Jason Isaacs, he sounded great as the Inquisitor in the video. And I just liked how he was being described by Pablo Hidalgo and Dave Filoni. And they're just stressing the point that he's not a Sith Lord. I mean, he's tapping to the dark side a little bit, but he's not really a Sith. And just how, when we talked about this a lot with the Inquisitor, how he's there to be defeated because in certain episodes, because you know, if we were to see Darth Vader, he can't be defeated at all. He's He would take those rebels down. But they even said in those videos, just because he's going to be a main character, a main villain, he's not going to be defeated every time. Pablo Hidalgo made a point to say he's not like those villains you see in 80s cartoons where they get defeated every week, but yet you're supposed to think he's a threat to the heroes. So I'm glad to hear that come from them where he's not going to be your typical villain that the rebels were going to thwart every time out. So I'm expecting to see the Inquisitor have some victories against these characters, which should be good. So all in all, this, these videos made me more excited for these characters and the Inquisitor in particular, because there's those two quick shots at the end where you just see him ignite his lightsaber as he's like casually walking out uh, and he sees Ezra and Kanan there and Kanan kind of pushes Ezra away and he ignites his lightsaber. He's just like, uh, you just want those scenes to continue <laughs> and see that lightsaber fight. It was just a great tease to end it. This makes you want to see that sequence. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Man, videos did their job to get me excited. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Same here. And, um, I mean, yeah, as far as uh, the Inquisitor and the sort of him being the, the villain who still has a menacing presence and is not just going to get defeated every week. I mean, I had the same reaction to that that you had where I mean, we had talked about this before where I was pretty much just conceding like, OK, this guy looks cool. He's got a double bladed lightsaber. I hope he's going to be a pretty cool villain. But they're using this guy instead of Darth Vader so that the heroes can defeat him. So I, I wasn't necessarily holding out too much hope for him to be like this super awesome, like really competent bad guy. Cause I'm like, it's still kind of a kid's show and like the heroes have to be able to defeat him and stuff. So I, I guess I wasn't expecting too much from the Inquisitor. And so reading this, I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, if he is going to be, you know, a really formidable threat and the heroes aren't just going to walk all over him every time, like, you know, that's going to just be even cooler. And it's funny because, you know, like you said, uh, Pablo Hidalgo is like, this isn't like cartoons I grew up with in the eighties where you have the villain lose every week. You could replace cartoons I grew up with in the 80s and replace that with Clone Wars with General Grievous. Um, <laughs> because I know, I mean, that's still one of my biggest gripes with the series. And I mean, I love Clone Wars. And, um, you know, obviously they, they had some great villains on that show, like Darth Maul and, uh, you know, Ventress and Dooku and Sidious and all those guys. But. Grievous did kind of get the short end of the stick where like in episode three and in a lot of the EU material that, you know, they don't necessarily have to stick to because that's not canon anymore. But still, it was like, 
you know, everybody sort of had this expectation of Grievous as this big bad Jedi hunter who, you know, can take down a Jedi and kill them and stuff. And then in the Clone Wars, you know, he was that guy that was running away just every time and always getting beaten by the heroes. And um, I don't know, I'm, I'm glad that they're trying to not make that same mistake with uh, with the Inquisitor. At least that's what it seems like. I mean, we'll have to see how the actual, uh, you know, how it goes in the actual series um, once we've seen a few episodes and, um, I hope it's not just like, oh, he shows up and scares him and you think he's going to win and then the heroes get away anyways. Um, but at the same time, I'm, you know, he's not going to like kill the whole group of the ghost in like the first few episodes because then there goes your show. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, have to kill anyone to get a victory. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? I think that's sort of what we were expecting from Grievous and especially because you have so many more Jedi characters in the Clone Wars time period that are kind of expendable. It's like, you could have shown Grievous kill a couple more Jedi here and there, but yeah, it's like the Inquisitor because we've only got like five main characters and only two of them are Jedi. I'm not expecting him to kill anybody. Um, at least not right off the bat. I mean, maybe we'll lose one character like at the end of a season somewhere down the line. But for now, I'm thinking they're going to want to keep their main group of characters intact. So I'm not necessarily expecting them to kill anybody, at least not any of the main characters. I mean, maybe they'll make some allies with some minor characters and then they'll end up being cannon fodder, but I don't know. We'll see. But either way, yeah, like you said, I mean, both of these videos, especially the Inquisitor, just got me more excited for the show, more excited to see these villains. Um, And yeah, that footage at the end of the Inquisitor video for some reason, I mean, those brief, like, two or three seconds of footage almost got me more excited than the stuff we saw in that one-minute trailer. Um, <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> I mean, I was ex- – like, when I saw the trailer, I was excited, but it still kind of left me wanting more. I was like, okay, this is cool, but I still, you know, just didn't really feel like I had a real solid grasp on, like, what the show was going to be and really what the look of it was going to be and sort of just how it was going to feel from week to week. And, I mean, this is something that I wanted to see, like, these last couple shots that we saw, this is something that I wanted to see more of in that trailer. Like, for some reason, just seeing the bad guy walking towards the heroes with a lightsaber ignited, I was like, okay, suddenly that's cool. Like, that's something that was missing before because, you know, as much as I love, like, space battles and the heroes fighting stormtroopers and stuff, it's like you need a... a solid menacing bad guy in there too and not just like a bunch of cannon fodder stormtroopers so i'm glad we got to see just a brief glimpse of that and i'm hoping we get to see a lot more of him in whatever footage they're going to show at comic-con yeah i'm hoping at comic-con we'll see him and kanan actually lock lightsabers in a battle for a few shots because that'd be that's like the next cool thing to see yeah <laughs> the introduction of the inquisitor we saw him in this video ignite his lightsaber and confront kanan and ezra now we want to see him in action <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's also that previous shot they showed in one of the visions where he's like twirling his lightsaber all over and now to see that fully animated that's going to be cool mm-hmm. and yeah they also showed a little previous shot or like a storyboard or something of him and kanan fighting and it looked like they were in like a tie fighter construction yard or something and they were like yeah. fighting on top of a tie fighter it was like that it looks pretty cool yeah that'd be cool i mean we'll see if all these are in the first few episodes because i don't think the inquisitor is going to be in the hour-long premiere. I think at the very end is going to be that shot we got in the trailer where Adrian Callis is communicating with the Inquisitor. And then probably in, like, episodes two or three when he'll make his appearance known and they'll have to confront him. Yeah. At least that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm kind of getting the same feeling, too. But it was funny because, I mean, when I first saw that shot, I I was like, okay, they're fighting on top of a TIE fighter. Like, is that thing going to be in midair and they're having, like, 
you know, a midair space battle on top of a moving fighter. Like, that's kind of cool, but also a little cartoony at the same time. And then as I looked at the rest of the shot, it looked like it was just sort of like this imperial, you know, airfield or something. And I was like, oh, that would be cool to just sort of jump up on a TIE fighter as part of like, you know, sort of part of the scenery. And like they're using the whole environment in that fight and jumping up on top of docked ships and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I would them fight on moving TIE Fighters would be pretty cool too. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to TIE Fighter the Fighter as they're fighting in the air. That'd make for a pretty cool active sequence. And I'd buy it because they're they're both uh, force sensitive and they can use the force to navigate their way onto the different TIE Fighters in the midst of their fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not that it would come off as ridiculous, like, oh, even though these guys can use the force, like, there's no way they could do that. It just would be a little bit over the top. It's like, okay, we've had lightsaber fights on floating platforms over lava before, but on top of flying ships, really? Like, I don't know. I think that would be a little bit extraneous. So now I'm thinking maybe that'd be a cool epic lightsaber battle in one of the new movies. That'd be a different thing. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. But... Um, yeah, I mean, just good to, to be getting more uh, more information about the show, and even if it's only a couple of seconds and a few shots, you know, good to always uh, get to see more of it and uh, more new footage and stuff. So, um, you know, obviously this has uh, piqued our interest for now and gotten us pretty excited and can't wait to see more of it from Comic-Con next week. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, that's probably when we'll do our next episode and we'll come back with uh, sort of our Comic-Con wrap-up. And I'm sure we'll be having a lot more Rebels than Episode 7 to talk about in that episode. Although, you never know, we could get more Episode 7 updates between now and then, too. So um, that's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, Again, we'll be back uh, with hopefully lots of new exciting Rebels information and maybe some Episode 7 stuff after Comic-Con. And, uh, you know, for those of you who like to get in contact with us and send us email and stuff like that, you can email us at starwarstsc at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you with questions, comments, feedback, any of that kind of stuff. Um, and you can get in touch with us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. You can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. Um, and, you know, just following us on the social media sites, you can find all of these news stories as we hear them and post them, uh, you know, sort of up to the minute as we uh, get the stuff reported all over the Internet and all that kind of stuff. Also, for those of you who listen to us on iTunes, feel free to go ahead and leave us a rating or a review over there if you uh, enjoy the show. We actually got, uh, I think, like two or three new reviews just in the last couple of months here. So thank you uh, to all you guys who leave us feedback on there. That's much appreciated. Um, and for those of you who want to check out our website, and again, this is also where you can find all the news stories as well as all of our episodes, um, starwarstse.com. So, uh, thank you guys again for tuning in. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody.